Greetings, beautiful people. Welcome to 321 No Kidding, your gambling recovery podcast. Bobby the Awesome here. As you probably know, we're working on recovery dharma, or at least learning about recovery dharma, dharma thanks to the book I bought last year. And we are working on the Eightfold Path, and we are just going into the last of the ethical group, which is wise livelihood. The first two were wise speech and wise action. So here goes on wise livelihood. The final factor in the ethical group is wise livelihood, which focuses on how we support ourselves in the world. Again, the intent is to avoid causing harm. For most of us, our work occupies so much of our time and attention So how we choose to make a living takes on special importance. Understanding the principle of karma and knowing the unwholesome activity gives rise to unwholesome karma, whatever choices or circumstances lead us to a particular job need to be recognized as having karmic consequences. I think this is really interesting because I was thinking, and it was just a fleeting thought, I I would never do this. But how if normal people that normal, there's my air quotes, guys, people, someone like me, right, who doesn't look like um, a traditional drug dealer, if I went like top secret and sold drugs for the cartel, this is just my brain being wacky, um, how much money I could make because nobody would ever suspect me. And then my brain went on to all this crazy stuff like, well, would the government be watching them and then figure out I was a bad guy? And it was just a really random, I don't even know where the brain chain came from. Obviously, none of these things are my forte. And since I tell you everything, I might as well tell you my weird thoughts on things like that. But you'll understand why I'm sharing that with you here in this next paragraph. (laughs) We try to avoid jobs that give rise to suffering and seek work that does no harm or reduces suffering. The Buddha mentions five kinds of livelihood to avoid. Trading in weapons or instruments of killing. Trafficking in or selling human beings. Killing of the other beings. Making or selling addictive drugs or business and poison. Or business and poison. We've encouraged... We're encouraged to avoid occupations based on dishonesty or injury. So the logic behind my wacky thinking, I will tell you, it wasn't just like I'm a crazy person who just wants money off of off of drug money, but the money I want to use for recovery stuff and and educating the world. And it just seemed counterintuitive, but like that's where all the money is or that's where a good amount of money is. But that's also, you know, feeding the problem. And I also thought about like I could, you know, like dispose the drugs and switch it out for other stuff. But then I'd probably end up dead before I could do my good work because somebody would kill me because they were fake drugs. Um, Yeah, I never finished watching Breaking Bad. So I have no idea how that ended or really a whole lot about this topic. So it's just a little bit of me watching NCIS in the past and um whatever other shows are making me think about this crazy stuff. 
All right. Sorry. Back to wise livelihood. Whatever our job is, we can practice it mindfully with an intention of no harm, of easing suffering, and of compassion. This means developing an attitude towards our occupation beyond just the money we make. We can develop an approach of service and caring about the the effects of our actions on others, both within and outside our workplaces. Wise livelihood is not about judging ourselves or others for their choice of work or for trying to limit their choices. Instead, we try to understand why and how we engage in whatever occupation we practice. Whatever work we do, we can maintain an intention of benefiting others. So in my job, my, my day job, I'm a flower buyer. It's called category manager. So I'm in charge of things like the outdoor product and balloons and um, seeds vases, all kinds of weird stuff. Anything that essentially isn't live flowers, although I manage part of the the business related to that as well. And when you think about, okay, I sit at a desk and I, I buy flowers essentially so that we can sell them in our stores, you'd say, well, how can, how can I be of service in that job? And there's a couple ways. And I'm just telling you this to give you ideas that when I first read this, I didn't think about it being like doctors and nurses and people who really help people, um, you know, police and firemen and all that, like true service jobs. I was trying to frame it for my normal occupation. So see what you can come up with in your own, your own livelihood, your own job after I frame kind of some of the things that I do. So I was brought up in this company with a vice president that taught us that the floral managers, the people who are selling the product that I currently buy, are our customers. Just like if you were to walk into one of our stores, you would be one of their customers. And once I adopted that mentality, which makes complete sense to me, because my job at the office is just to make their jobs easier. They're really you know, run in the front lines is what can I do to help them? So that's how I position myself at my desk. And some examples might be if they're always getting in trouble for not getting their bills to accounting on time, I might create a process that streams like streamlines that, which I didn't do that yet, but I have helped them with like inventory instead of manually doing it. Now they get to just shoot it on this gun and it takes a lot less time. So that's being of service to them and making their job easier. Instead of sending cases of product, I might send stuff on racks so they don't have to unpack all those boxes and send them, you know, and bring the cardboard to the back of the store, which adds more more steps and more stress. Or we might put together programs that help them with the brides, um, making packages or things, ways for them to order things easier or at a better cost. So there's different ways. And one of my biggest things, and of course I haven't done it with COVID and it's it hasn't been much the last year, is I go out to the stores and I generally ride with the people that we call our specialist, which it's kind of the supervision for the store people on the front lines and I'll ride with them and I'll listen to what they have to say so that we can improve processes. 
Now, not everything is is reasonable or realistic because they don't necessarily understand what happens in the background. You know, there might be restrictions, whether it's, you know, upper management not agreeing or it being off brand or, or whatever. There's variables, but that's how I try to be of service in my day job. Another way is because I buy things, I try to help the vendors too. So maybe they have products that I can use. I try to work with them on, you know, delivery days or whatever. And if they're a really good vendor, I might recommend them to other people in the industry. So I support them that way. If they're a really bad vendor, um, I will not recommend them. And I'll actually try to protect my other floral buyers you know, not my floral buyers, but floral buyers in the in the country learn from my mistakes of working with them. So there's that's how it works in my little grocery desk job of how I can do the best to be at service. I don't know what you do, but I'm I, I'm thinking of the girl that works at the the gas station. Well, actually, everybody that works at this gas station where I'd go for coffee, and they just them smiling and greeting us and and you could tell it's genuine because it's conversational and you know their personalities really show up that's them being of service not just in the way of ringing us out but if I walked in there and somebody's grumpy and it's funny because there is there's two different stores and when I was still buying smokes I was I preferred the one store where I got my coffee because everybody was friendly and awesome when they were out, I had to go to this other store and this girl always had this wretched, like bitch face. And this other store also has really good ice cream and they don't sell it if your employees are going to be bitchy about serving it. You know what I mean? Like it's a big inconvenience for them. Like that's not doing service because if you get those vibes, those vibes, you know, could stick to you and ruin your day. At least that's how I see it. So... It could be, I think just about any job could be of service. I saw a video of this this man holding a sign in construction, you know, like one of the flag people or sign people. I don't know what you call them. I think it's a flagman. And he's dancing. So people that are sitting there in traffic waiting, he's dancing and bebopping and making people smile. So you can be of service just by smiling and having a good attitude. So I got a little off on a tangent there, but... I think that that gives you some ideas on how to be practical. And you know what, guys? It'll make you feel better. It'll fill your positive bucket. And again, anytime our positive bucket's full, it decreases our chances of making a bet, which is a beautiful thing. So here are the questions associated with wise livelihood. Does your job cause harm? What is the specific nature of that harm? So again, those, you know, the illegal jobs are the ones that I see causing harm. I can't think of professions that cause harm, but I don't, I guess I'm just not worldly enough. Nothing's coming to me right now. How can your, how can you do your job? Oh, here comes yawns. How can you do your job more mindfully with an intention of compassion and non-harm? I think I I think I explained that pretty well with what I was just saying. This this is a question that again triggers the doctors and nurses and again I might have watched too too much TV once upon a time, but this is where 
it's conflicting, right? I mean, it, it's very clear when they first started talking about livelihood that you don't kill other people, but could compassion and non-harm be mutually exclusive if there was someone who was suffering, you know, like on their deathbed, you see those stories, is it Dr. Kevorkian or whatever, you're having compassion and you want them to feel better, but you can't give them a lethal injection to, you know, end their misery because it would go against this wise livelihood. That's what popped into my head for that one. Do you bring understanding of karma and kindness to your job or do you compartmentalize it and exclude it from your awareness of wise action? For this one, again, if I'm rude to a store, for example, with the karma, maybe then somebody in the office is rude to me later or maybe I spill my coffee or, you know, however we believe karma works. Whereas if I'm helpful to a store and I go above and beyond, maybe somebody that I need help from does the same for me and karma works that way. And again, when you're feeling kind and smiley and happy and stuff, it's kind of contagious and and people tend to um, reciprocate what you put out there. What part does greed play in the choices you make in your livelihood? Does greed get in the way of awareness or compassion? And I could see this happening for some people, even in, in roles like mine. So let's say that I went out and visited stores and there was an overwhelming amount of feedback to do something a certain way or to buy a certain product because the customers, you know, connect with it more or whatever. But that product doesn't help me meet my objectives for my bonus program. That would be me operating under greed in my job because I made it more about me instead of my customers. And um, I don't do that. And actually, it is financially penalizing (laughs) when I don't operate under greed. But that's okay. I'm a big girl making big girl choices. But I'd much rather operate in a helpful way for our, our customers and our floral managers who are my customer. How can I be of more service in my community? How can you be of more service in your community? I can, I think everybody can always do a better job of this. I, I definitely try. Um, I think that I would say that time is one of my restrictions. Uh, There's, you know, you guys met Guy way back in episode 12, I think. And part of how he ties his livelihood and does service is by volunteering to the shelter for um, folks without homes. And he does that exercise class and helps them get nutritional food once a week. I mean, pre-COVID, of course. But that's a, that's a good example of doing service in the community. How might you bring a spirit of generosity to your life, both in your profession and outside of it? So that's just it. One of... One of the things I find is that people in the organization think that I'm friendly and helpful. And if they have, you know, their daughter, cousin, long lost uncle, whoever, people are getting married or dying, they'll reach out to me to help point them in the right direction. So I normally have to 
obviously send them to a store, but I can help them pick out the right store. I might make suggestions for flowers or what they should or shouldn't do. Maybe someone passed away that's Jewish and they don't know that they don't get flowers sent as part of their traditions. It could be a myriad of things, but that's the best way I can show up. Another way is when I get free samples, um, cause they, you know, the vendors come and show us flowers. One of my favorite things to do is take the buckets of flowers and pass them out. In Kansas, I used to bring them to the bar and hand them to uh, the customers. I've left flower shows and, and handed them to the people at working at drive throughs Like you go through the drive through and you give people bouquets of flowers. Like that just makes them so happy. So that's my thoughts on livelihood. That was an interesting one. I wouldn't have thought of thinking about our job as part of our recovery efforts, but I guess if we're trying to be good human beings and we're trying to grow, we, we need to grow professionally as well as, you know, spiritually and emotionally. So I'm, I, I told you, I'm really enjoying this and I'm glad that I'm taking my time with it and really digging into it with you. I feel like I have a much better grasp on what this is and I'm starting to look a little at the Facebook group of how the folks in there show up and, you know, actually put this to use. So it's just just part of my journey to grow. And I appreciate you taking the time to follow along with this. And I hope that you're getting the same value. I am. All right, beautiful people. I will talk to you on August 11th. Um, have a wonderful evening or morning, whatever it is. I don't know that anybody's ever going to break me out of the habit of referring to the time of day I record and putting it in the show, even though the show could be listened to 30 years from now and it'd be a different time of day altogether. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, I hope you have a good one, beautiful people. I will talk to you later. Thanks.